Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discuss the Everton fans' planned protests against the Premier League. Powerful or pointless? We hear both sides of the story in the Accrington Stanley Wrexham ticket price row. Plus, we talk boxing with Frank Warren and we reminisce with Carl Frotch and George Groves 10 years on from the Battle of Britain. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Is there much point in this? I mean, I, I now see an Everton fans group uh, going to take a, a protest in London to the Premier League headquarters here in London. It's going to head uh, tomorrow at 5.30. I mean, feel free to bring your own uh, Everton flag, scarves, etc. They're getting together. Is this part of the galvanising that you were talking about? Well, not really, no, but um, I guess they think it's part and parcel of their right. We live in a society where you have the right to protest if you so feel that that's your inclination. Yeah. Um, they will feel wronged, um, and they felt wronged on a number of fronts, haven't they? They've taken it out on a variety of people. They will say the justification is that ball doesn't run the football club very well, so they've had their IRA, and now the Premier League, or the Premier League's independent commission that's uh, detailed the punishment are entitled to the similar amount of frustration from the Everton fans. My expectation was that the Everton fans, as we've heard from callers that came in uh, earlier on in the week, would that it would, my immediate reaction was, this: I wouldn't want to be Man United going into that bear pit. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it will be visited on Manchester United mm. from, the, from the intensity of the stadium through to the reaction to the fair, from, the, from the players, through to Sean Dyche. Because Sean Dyche will dig in and yeah. use it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to build even more spirit in the club, that they're fighting for everything and they're fighting against everybody. And I felt that that was what was going to happen. Now, of course, in this day and age of protests, you're going to have a, a, a segment of a fan base feeling that they're entitled to it. Manchester City fans disliked... UEFA and constantly turn their back on the UEFA anthem, uh, anthem every single time. <laughs> yeah. now, it didn't work very well for them because UEFA sanctioned them and they only got out from underneath because the Court of Arbitration of Sport um, stepped in and, and, and negated what UEFA had sanctioned them for. Look, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's hugely constructive. I don't think it will get anywhere. Um, and I, and I, I, I don't agree with it, but I also understand why certain segments of their fan base that live, breathe, eat and sleep their football club yeah. will feel inflamed. Well, I mean, the former council leader in Liverpool, Derek Hatton, used the words bear pit 
for Goodison on Sunday. You've just used the same words, uh, Simon. It's understood. I mean, can you believe this? It's understood that Sky Sports will take steps to prevent offensive language from uh, Everton fans being audible during uh, the match against Manchester United on Sunday to comply with Ofcom's rules. They say they may turn the crowd uh, noise down. Um, Can't we use that when Gary Neville starts talking? (laughs) Organisers of the protests are calling on all fans inside Goodison to chant Premier League corrupt as... You get it. In the 10th minute of the game to mark the fact that they got a 10 points deduction. I mean, so... I mean, they're all rallying. They're all getting into position. We've got talk of uh, a plane getting flown over, not over the Everton-Manchester United uh, game, would you believe it, on Sunday, because it'll be dark by then. It's a later kick-off. Um, There's a plane going to be hired to fly with a banner flying behind it over the Manchester City-Liverpool game at Saturday lunchtime. Okay. And, of course, plenty of eyes will be on that match uh, as well. I mean... They are getting the, the they're getting the they're parking their tanks on the Premier League's lawn, aren't they? Well, look, I mean, there is the, the, the inherent belief that constantly reverberates around certain fraternities of football is about conspiracy theories, and I use the word conspiracy theory rather than other terminologies I've used in the past. But the idea that people are colluding together to do someone down. If it's not Manchester City, it's now Newcastle. If it's not Newcastle, it's now Everton. The reasons why you're in the position that you're in is because your owner didn't run the football club very well. You didn't lose £120 million. You lost 350 And you were allowed to adjust £230 million down. You made concessions or allowable adjustments far greater than any other football club in the Premier League. And subsequently, you've been consequenced. Now, I don't understand what they think they're going to achieve because clearly there was a need for a sanction. Tragically for Everton, that sanction has come, uh, what I believe, because I've written about it, I believe it's a product of its times. It doesn't make it corrupt. It may not be what you like, but there isn't a conspiracy theory between Richard Masters and other people to do Everton down. You, You and the people that own your football club, which is not you, Everton fans, and I understand that, put yourself in the way of this. And whilst I don't condone any irritation or ira to a level where it becomes, as it became earlier on a year with certain people, one of them being my friend, Bill Kenwright, being subjected to unnecessary levels of abuse that excluded the Everton board from the stadium, I do understand that football fans, you can't have it both ways. You can't say that football needs football fans. They're the lifeblood of the football club, but only when they behave as we see as we think they should. So what about the protests that are planned, Simon? Powerful or pointless? Pointless. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. This is uh, a story we've been covering all week, ladies and gentlemen. At the weekend, uh, it came about in League Two. Accrington Stanley were hosting Wrexham. Now, before kickoff, Wrexham thought they'd be cute and they tweeted about an increase in ticket prices applied by Accrington Stanley. Uh, for the away Wrexham fans, an increase of £5 a ticket, you might think. Well, that's reasonable, isn't it? But it drew a response uh, from Accrington Stanley uh, owner Andy Holt, who called Wrexham's tweet stupid, mistimed. And that led to a bit of a pile-on for Andy from fans, not just Wrexham fans, but other fans as well, regarding ticket pricing in general. And it's a row that has continued to simmer this week. It's fair to say peace has not broken out between Wrexham and Accrington Stanley. I am delighted to say that Andy Holt... Accrington Stanley's owner has agreed to come on and join Simon and myself live on the show. Andy, good morning. 
Good morning, how are you going on, chaps? Uh, we're good. Mr Jordan is beside me. Andy, uh, outline first of all for us why the ticket price increase was put in place. What was it and what did you take it to? Well, ticket price, our, our, our ticket price is a £20, £20 a game all season. Uh, but, but where we have a big police bill or where we expect a big police bill, then we, uh, we increase the price. Now, that police bill comes about by the away club's behaviour, not by our behaviour, because we don't get any police bills. So, so the analogy is if I sell you a bucket for a quid and it costs me a quid to deliver it, the bucket's two quid. If, if I sell you a bucket for a quid and you come and collect it, that bucket's a quid. Now, I don't sell it to pound fifty to both of you because uh, the guy that's collecting it for a quid will stop buying off me. So so if if the cost of selling a ticket or a fiver a ticket because of in, increased costs, then it has to be paid by somebody, and I'm not paying it. So... <laughs> So, so <laughs> right, okay. Please, please put bill, put the put the bills into us, and uh, you know they decide what the costs are going to be, uh, and, and you know it's got to be found somewhere. Right. So, Andy, I, I know Simon's going to come in in a second. Why were Wrexham so unhappy with what you did? I mean, they decided to be cute. Wrexham, with their Hollywood owners, of course, these days, they went on Twitter and had a bit of a swipe at you, and you objected to that, right? Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Listen, I've, I've got note against uh, Wrexham and Hollywood owners and all the rest of it, but uh, if they think they're going to get the kicks by uh, tweeting about my club and one of the smaller clubs in the league, just because they're selling good, good, you know, in a good space, then, then it's not going to work. And it, it would miss time because you don't want any aggro before a match starting. So, so like, there's like a number of rule before a match. You don't put anything out. You don't do anything that's inflammatory because... Uh, you know, everybody's trying to keep a lid on it during match. Uh, I see, so, I see so it, it yeah. was timed. Yeah. If it had done it after match, I wouldn't have responded. But uh, we, we, you know, we're talking it down and keeping everything peaceful. Uh, we're all fans and what have you. But the, but the general rule is uh, bad behaviour costs money. You know, and, and them that behave bad need to be paying it. Uh, Andy, I mean, I get, I get the sentiments of the irritation of the manner in which they've conducted themselves and also I get it more with the fact they've done it before the game because it can inflame tensions what I don't get is the commercial logic um, behind creating a situation around an additional cost that comes with a huge benefit which is ultimately if I'm right and obviously I don't study Accrington Stanley's attendances but I've just had a look out of, uh, out of curiosity and if your average attendance is two and a half thousand a game and an away support is bringing two and a half thousand down which ultimately inflates the revenues you get for the game and your average ticket is 20 quid and they're bringing 2,000 away fans more than the average club does you're already bringing 40 grand with additional revenue in and if the, if the policing costs which you do in conjunction with the police and your safety officer is 10 grand you're still 30 grand better off by a club bringing more support than every other club in the division brings. Is that, is that true, Andy? You were going to make money anyway, well, is well, what I mean, that, so, Well, let's put it this way, then. That's like saying, then, if you bring a lot of fans, we'll reduce the ticket price. So, no, so if we charge £20 a ticket... No, listen to me. If we if we charge £20 a ticket, but the cost of selling that ticket is an extra fibre... We're getting fifteen pound a ticket. No, I understand. I understand. I understand your principle, but I'm not understanding the overall picture. Because if you get, an, I mean, I don't know what you get an average, but I've done it in my own head and said, I wonder if they get maybe three or four hundred average away fans coming to a game. And if that's right, and someone else brings two and a half thousand, if somebody said to me, I'm going to give you fifty grand worth of revenue, and it's going to cost you ten grand to get it, I'm going to say, that's fair enough. I'll take that. You're saying, no, 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 no. 
That 50 grand of additional revenue, which is going to cost me 10 grand, I want it to be 60 grand. Well, it isn't going to cost me 10 grand. Well, you said, the, co- you said the police well, cost listen, me 12 grand. Listen, if you, if, well, next time you go and see Madonna, put them to all the costs and see, see if they'll let you a ticket for a lower price. Yeah, but I'm not, talk- price. I'm not talking about Madonna. I'm talking <laughs> about, I'm talking about the collective. The coll- the collective. <laughs> no, did, no. Did you categorise this game at the beginning of the season? Because, I mean, obviously we all categorise our games, Andy, don't we? We put them as category A's, category B's, categories, or whatever you're doing in these days. Did, did yeah. Wrexham get told at the beginning of the season that the thermal stock you're going to send them is going to have a ticket price which is 20% bigger or 25% bigger because of the categorisation of the game? Well, I don't know exactly when that were, when that was put to them, but uh, at the beginning of the season, it was always going to be a high category game. Category game. We're going through it with police, and then uh, so the higher so category, so the higher category games that you have are down to police bills. Yeah, I understand what they're down yeah. to, but as far yeah. as the ticket stock is concerned, all the clubs that fill into a, a say a category A game, which is a high profile game with more risk attached to it and ultimately more requirements to it, all the clubs that you have relationships with the other 23 clubs in the division are all denoted and know what their ticket pricing is going to be. Yeah, and it's, divi- it's decided early on in season. So Wrexham would, have known, before, this. Wrexham would, have, Wrexham season. would have known this at the beginning of the season? They would. So if Wrexham had the, uh, an issue with it, they should have told you at the beginning of the season? Well, they had tickets for weeks down in their office, so they've right. known it, and I had tickets with bright, fair price. So they're being, a bit, they're being a bit facetious with you, aren't they? Well, they, look, they charge 24 quid for every match. Do you know what I mean? Now, for me, we need to link bad behaviour to cost because there is a direct link. So what we're saying is, so, so let's, let's put, let me put it to another way then. If a, if a club comes to visit us and cost the police is 20 grand or 50 grand, what do we do? No, I, I get the logic. I do understand it, but the, but the, but well, again, what are you arguing for then? But I'm arguing with you because I don't think you're right. I think you've created a storm in a teacup. If your pricing policy has been determined, no, 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 no. no well, let no. me answer the question. You just t- you, hang on, Andy. You just said to me what I'm arguing for. Let me give you the bloody answer, and then you can tell me why I'm arguing the wrong <laughs> way. Right? Come on. Then. So the bottom line is, is if I would look at it from my point of view, we've both been in the same situation. I've been in the situation, as, as, you know, with a with a slightly bigger football club, but notwithstanding it, it's irrelevant. We've all got our scales of cost right every football club is valuable and we've all got a cost base I wouldn't do what you've done because I would look at it and go I tell you what this club if it were Millwall because Millwall used to bring 6,000 fans down and I said let them have it I knew the policing costs were going to go through the ceiling but I also knew that my average uh, my average away attendance was two or 3,000 when I got Millwall down did the cost implications of the policing get superseded by the revenue that I generated if the answer was yes and it was a multiple that was significant I wouldn't have started this fight so listen this is the fight by the way this is how I run a business, yep. so, so it's not it's not it's not a fight. I can charge what I want for tickets to anybody and everybody. So what are you worried uh, about? Then? It's my club. Well, because you, you, you we're, were more we're, annoyed we're, about their their pre-match response to you, weren't they? And I agree with him. I agree with him. I, yeah. I would no, be listen, as well. well I would, you th- I would you be thought well. that was cheeky, Andy, right? I thought it were out of order. Yeah, I, I really thought it were out of order because we uh, you know we'd gone out as way media the week before, dumbing down any issues. So, so for them to put that out a couple of hours Did you pick up the phone to them, Andy, as a chairman, to no, Sean Harvey and go, oh, are you, did. what's that about? Listen, don't worry, I didn't tell him. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. But there's two sides to every story. Andy, as you heard, there was particularly unenamoured by uh, the involvement of a man he knows, a former chief executive of the EFL, Sean Harvey, who is now at Wrexham, and Sean's now with us. Sean, good morning. 
Yeah, good morning, Jim. Good morning. Thanks so much for, for joining us. Andy, you know Andy Holt, so do I. He's passionate about football. He's passionate about his club. He's passionate about Accrington Stanley. Do you think it was the best idea in the world, uh, Sean, that Wrexham went on Twitter pre-match saying, well, you've put the ticket prices for our away fans up by a five or a ticket. I tell you what we'll do. We'll do the opposite when you come to our place and we'll reduce your ticket price by a five or a ticket. Was that not a bit cheeky? I don't. I don't know whether it was a. Che- I don't know whether you should categorise it as being cheeky. I mean, you know, we'd made the decision. That's the action we were going to take, and you know, in very much the same way as as Andy's entitled to uh, charge the prices he wants to charge. And just for the record, he, he increased the prices for Accrington fans as well, not just for Wrexham fans. So there's never been any suggestion that any rules any rules have been broken at all. We we took we took the decision to reduce the prices by five pounds. Simply. Sim- simply to compensate those fans who are having to pay five pounds more to watch to watch the game at the Wham Stadium, to um, for, for when they come when did you do that, Sean? When did you do that? When did we, what, when did we make the decision? When, yeah, uh, probably Thursday or Friday that week. Did you know that? Because Andy says that when like is normally the courtesy ticket prices, thermal stock, and all that stuff is distributed at the beginning of the season. So you knew the ticket prices that Accrington were going to put on your fans at the beginning of the season. So why drop that little emissive? Just before the game. Well, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure we were informed at the start of the season what the ticket prices would be for our game. Whether whether it was whether it was explained to us at that time that was more than for any other game that had been played at the Wham Stadium this season or not, I doubt. Albeit, I have to reserve my position because I would I certainly didn't get the original the original email. Yeah, but you're not and, taking and a pro- commercial decision, Sean. You're taking a facetious decision. You're, take, you're taking revenue away from yourselves to make a point at the expense of Accrington, and you know you are. Well, we're, we're, we've made the decision that we felt was appropriate and one that we were prepared to financially stand Yeah, but you're out, doing yeah. it at the expense of another football club, and you're being facetious, and you're virtue signalling to your own fans and the rest of the football at the expense of Andy Holt, who told you the ticket pricing at the beginning of the season, so you knew it, and then what you do is you drop it on the eve of the game that ultimately you're going to do something different. So Wrexham looked great, Accrington looked but poor, and, and that's what and Andy then you create tension before a game, and you know that's not very good, Sean. You know that's not good. And well, you, we, I mean, you know that Andy Hawke's going to bite at something like that, Sean. Well, and you know, but Andy's made conscious decisions as well. You know, he, you know, he's he's made the decisions to be, I and mean, Accrington have made the decision to increase to increase the price. And you know, we've we've responded in a way that we felt his is a commercial decision. His is a commercial decision to ge- generate revenue from an away support, which I disagree with the principle of, by the way, because if he's got two and a half thousand fans coming in at twenty pounds rather than the average two hundred and fifty he gets, whatever his policing costs are, he's gonna make significantly more revenue by the fact you've bought more fans. So I, I, I don't I don't agree with the principles of it, but you guys are doing it at his expense. You're not making a commercial decision. You're making a decision based upon how you want to position yourself. Is that fair, Sean? Well, I, I think I think we're as entitled to make our decisions and announce those decisions yeah. as as, Ac- as Accrington are. Well, on the eve of a game, do you, I mean, so you, but you, you create tension. So you've got fans walking into a football stadium thinking that they're being profited off the back by the by the current club that they're visiting. Do you think that's a good look, Sean? I would have thought you, as, as if you were back in your situation with the EFL chair, uh, chief executive, you'd have been saying. Not very good, guys. We're supposed to be yeah. working together in this space. 
But Simon, let's just let's take a step back. The, these price, the, the social media has been full of the debate in relation to the increased ticket prices at Accrington long before people turned up at the at the stadium on Saturday. Right. It's been disc- it, 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 they our, our fans have been make, making the point for some considerable period of time, as indeed I think Accrington fans were also making the point that they were being charged. Like, so this wasn't just created. On the morning of the game, this has been going on for when the conscious this this must this must have started when the conscious decision was made to increase the ticket prices. So there was a time there was a time there was a time and a place to make to make the announcement, and ultimately we decided we decided that the morning of the game to say to our fans you know effectively thank you for paying the extra money and still going and supporting us and we'll do the we'll do this for the away game and we'll also do it for Accrington fans to make sure we stay within inside within inside the rules. Is the situation but, right? but Sean, I know you. It was also a, a little swipe at Accrington as well, and at Andy, wasn't it? Well, we don't. I, I, I think we share the same view as Simon. <laughs> that, we, that, that ultimately, I, we don't. We don't agree that you should be putting the price. The prices. So, up so listen, you, you you are going to stand by what you said, and you're going to drop ticket prices for the return match by fiver. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can see very briefly, Sean. I can see what it, what it was all about. I mean, Andy Holt, longtime owner of Accrington Stanley, proud of his football club. Wrexham come to town. There's Hollywood stardust there. Big guys at the top. Big personalities with a, a huge profile. And I think I, I think Andy thought he was being sat on a bit. Maybe, maybe. Just my hunch. What do you think? Well, well. And, 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 and he will never be short of letting anybody know what his opinions are. And so, so I don't think I, don't, I genuinely, I genuinely don't think we have to second guess what Andy's thoughts about the matter were. Sean, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Sean Harvey, of course, uh, one-time chief executive of the EFL. Now, at look Wrexham. forward to it being done to Wrexham when they get into a bigger, better league. Oh, because yeah. at this moment in time, there were big noise in a small league. Yeah, it'll come round. What goes around comes round. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport.
Spencer, good afternoon to you. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We're doing very well indeed. We saw quite an event in Manchester uh, last weekend with seven title fights in total. You were working on it, you were commentating on it. It was a resounding thumbs up to it, wasn't it? It certainly was. I mean, Nathan Heaney won the British title. Incredible performance. Massive underdog, by the way. I think he was an eight to one underdog going into the contest and yeah it was a fairy tale story he won the British title and Nick Ball put in an incredible performance beating Isaac Dogbar as well and um, yeah what a show what a show I, I love those shows you know Jim like you know like the sort of it's not a small hall show, but it's sort of like the next generation coming through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the man who put it together was top boxing promoter Frank Warren, who joins us live. Frank, good afternoon. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Simon. And good, oh, good afternoon now. And good afternoon, Spencer. <laughs> hey, Frank. Yeah. Hello, Frank. Well, welcome to Thursday afternoon, Frank. Uh, but Frank, we're, we're disappointed. I said in the introduction there, you're probably aware uh, Tyson's manager, Spencer Brown, was going to join us, um, but uh, ill health got, has prevented he's got COVID. it. Yes. Yeah, he's got co- he's got COVID. He's yeah. had had it for a few days now, so unfortunately he's not on. So you're stuck with me. Hey, listen, we're happy to be with you um, because we wanted you on as well, and you um, are very kindly obliged. How do you look back on that last weekend, Frank? I loved it. It was a great show. It's at MEN Arena, which is, is you know it's not quite a small hall arena. It's a mm-hmm. twenty thousand capacity. Although we didn't have twenty in there, we had a very good crowd, and they were great fights. And as uh, Spencer quite rightly said, it was exciting. You know, Nathan Evening I thought was unbelievable fight. He fought so well. He'd done extremely well. Coped with um, uh, with uh, the yeah. other guy's style in a real in a real good way. I mean, you can't just say someone had an off night. He did actually box really well, and uh, and it's a credit to him. And it was a fabulous ending for him when he won that tight when he won the title and got the result. You could not have seen a happier person in boxing. He he was overjoyed. It couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. And, and, and by and by the way, you know that they're but they're both terrific fellas in the fight. They're both terrific fellas. But he done well. Liam Davis done brilliantly. Nick Ball is superb. Mm. You know, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't win a world title. We had some other excellent performances on there as well. It was a great card. So, I mean, Frank, all in all, how would you describe boxing's bill of health as we come to the end of uh, 2023? I love it. I mean, I think it's been good. I think, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've had a couple of off-the-record conversations uh, with different people regarding uh, 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 the um, discussion I had with with your cor- one of your correspondents in, uh, in Adam. And, uh, you know, I, I just strongly disagreed with what he was saying. And I think, I think we're ending the year in a real, real high with some great fights on opening up next year i mean this is what it's all about and you know the stars have now aligned and we we're in a position to make these happen for the fans and also for for us i mean i'm a fan too i want to see big fights and great fights well we all do simon don't we i mean i I think that's what the whole thing hinged on frank when uh, you went head to head with adam casserole who of course we love um, unconditionally here at talk sport not just for his knowledge but his on-air ability as well i mean at the end of the day, Frank, I look back on that. I saw it on social media. I mean, you, you didn't hang back. You, you you were keen to ambush Adam and give it both barrels. That's not true. I didn't ambush him. I said to him early in the evening, I want to have a chat with you before you go. And what happened? It was the end of the evening, and I was doing an interview on IFL about the show, and he was going up. I said, hang on a minute. I, I want to have a, a shout across. I want to speak to you. 
and he went to walk off, and I think somebody said, come on, and come over and do the interview. I didn't ambush him at all. And, you know, it's all very well, you know, if you're a pundit and you want to criticise, hmm. but you're not you're not immune to being critic, accepting criticism back if you're in the wrong way. We've got to just accept what you're saying because you unconditionally love him. That's not right. No, but there's a balance, Frank. There's a balance. You're absolutely right. If people have voiced an opinion, they're entitled to have an opinion back. But the difference with you being the exception, the notable exception, if somebody bites back, which is fair, and then a pundit comes back in, what will happen is the pundit will be blackballed. He'll be not able to speak to those people again. He'll not have the dialogue, and he'll be shut down. And that's what's been the well, case. I, 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 I'm not shutting anyone no, down. No, but I, I, I specifically said you're the exception, Frank. So... So, yeah, so, you know, what, how other people deal with it, that's up to them how they want to deal but with you're it. But you're battling a cause on behalf of someone else, Frank. The argument that you have no, with that, I'm not. yes, I'm, you no, are. I'm not. You're no, advancing no, the position no, that Tyson Fury and the observations that have been made about him have been unfair, and you're also taking exception to the observations that Adam Catterall made, and specifically about the idea that he used the terminology warm lager, and you took exception to it. And, and you also know, Frank, you're in a position where you can say precisely what you want, because the only person you're accountable to is yourself, and Adam is going to sit there and go, if I go at Queensbury now, and if I go at Tyson Fury, it's going to make the situation worse. Yeah. So you disarmed Why him. Oh, no, it's not. That's, that's non I'll tell you what, that is such a cop-out by you. How, How is can it? you even come out with that? So, well, we, well, first of all, so we got to just accept what you say and your pundit says. No, not at all. And we're not, not allowed to respond to it. Not at all. And, and, I, and when have I ever blackballed anybody? No, but you. But again, uh, when, Frank, when, when, again, when, I know you can I, hear me. On, We're just choosing no, not no, to. No, again, I, I, uh, let me, I'll just tell you something. I've been only asked 10 minutes ago to go on the show on Saturday with Adam. I said, not a problem. I said, I won't be able to get down to the studio. I'll do it. I haven't got a problem with But that. we're not talking about you, Frank. And we know, because I said at the very top of this conversation, well, so, that, you, so, that you, so, we're talking about the people. Well, it's well, 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 not quite right. It is, it is about me as well, because I am Tyson's promoter. Yes. So what yes. has been said by Adam, what I take exception to is his promoter. And I've had this argument with him, and I don't know if you heard him, an argument with him a few months ago on a, it was a Saturday you, yeah. night, a late yeah. Saturday night, and he was banging on about Tyson ducking out of fights. That's basically what he was saying. And what I said to him, that is untrue. You have taken, you've taken a view, or you've you've agreed with something that's been said by Usyk's manager, yeah. which is absolutely untrue. Which which I think you accept now. Is that was untrue what he was saying? We never had any offers or anything. So we were talking then, Frank, when you when you dropped out about the reality of your opinion and the 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 different circumstances that have evolved. And nobody can understand. And you defend this, and, and you're a very a balanced voice most of the time. You went after Adam because Adam made an observation, and then you you redirect and say, "Well, hang on a second. How dare you call it warm lager? It's a load of old whatevers, right?" Yeah, yeah. But but Adam's opinion was based upon an event that happened a year ago. A year ago. When Derek Chisora fought Tyson Fury, most people yeah. considered it, besides the fact you were able to sell ice to Eskimos and people went and watched that fight at Tottenham, <laughs> most people thought that was a poor fight. And so when Adam says a year ago you fight Derek Chisora, that's warm lager, I think that's a fair comment. I don't know why you wouldn't. Well, look, look, well, let's go. What I was saying before I went, I'll just go, I'll finish it quickly and, I'll, and it'll answer your question. So what I said is he was going to fight in December, Usyk. Usyk was injured, he was out. Then we had six or seven weeks to find somebody at short notice. The highest available, whether you want to agree or not, was Chisora. Then then they were going to put the fight on in February. They didn't do it, skills challenge. Then April didn't do it. He then become free at Usyk. We agreed to do the fight in April in the UK. He then went back to skills challenge. 
out of contract and we've now signed that fight. That's what happened. What I get annoyed about, is, and this is what it's been like all the way from Tyson, you've got to take it back to the fight before when he was when he was going to fight Dillian White. Because when he was fighting Dillian White, yep. yourself Agreed. and Adam were, were big, big, big on Dillian White. He's the number one. He's been there Correct. for ages. He should be getting far, far much more money than he's getting. This is wrong. He's worth more money than that. And Tyson absolutely destroyed him. Indeed, he did. Destroyed him. Yeah. He did. So And he was the mandatory. And he was the mandatory. And he was the mandatory. So he did it, but but still Tyson's not the Tyson should be getting what he's getting on the purse bid. By the way, it's a purse bid that I I won the bid. He should be getting more money. Frank, the, the the thing is, nobody should really be falling out, and I think the the good indication. No, no, no one's no, Jim, the, the, the good. The Jim, good. You're, hang on, Jim, a second. you're a lovely bloke. You're a lovely bloke. To be a I ain't falling out with nobody. I'm just telling you. No, how well, it is. well that, that, I, I, I was, if you let me finish, I was just I'm about saying. to say what the I'm signs saying. were the signs Sorry. were good this lunchtime, though, Frank. That Spencer Brown was going to come on and join us. I had a long chat with him last night, and by and large, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet, which is good news. And and Frank, Simon, and I know you. Spencer certainly does hear Spencer Oliver, and a lot of it is tongue in cheek because I, I think a lot of people in the boxing fraternity. Pretend at the moment to be offended, but you're not really because you enjoy the discussion and you enjoy the the chat that goes with uh, it. Oh, I'm not a crybaby. You're I'm not, not right. And I know a lot of this is tongue in cheek because guys, I said to you, I said to you earlier on, did you ambush Adam Carter the other night? And you said, no, 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 I didn't ambush Adam. Carter. And yet you finished your text message to me the other night. Listen, I'll gladly come on and debate with any any of you guys anytime. Regards, Correct. the ambusher. Correct. And, I, and what I took exception That was funny, Lava, wasn't it? What, the ambusher. It makes, That's you. Yeah, the, the ambusher, of course I But I love like it. You, the, right, the warm lager, the warm lager, what I refer to, was the best we could do because Tyson couldn't fight, although although the fights were offered to Joyce. It was the best you could do, yeah. 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 We could, so what we made, we made the number one, Joyce against Parker, yeah. great fight, great fight. Mm-hmm. We made the nut, then we made the number one and two against Zhang and Joyce, great fights. We made we made the uh, Dubois went and fall against Usyk, great fights. And by the way, all this warm lager was served up on Talk Sport because you bought them all. <laughs> yes, but but with respect, Frank, you know you know that the genesis of all of this sort of rancor is because there's been an irritation level amongst you and Tyson Fury that there's been unfair, biased, misrepresentative and disrespectful criticism. And that's well, where the irritation comes from. And no it's, one can it's, point it's their an, finger it's, to it. All you guys do is get upset. You, you're debate it, true. Frank. You're debate it. But the people I, that are stopping you... Now, stop- but, but you're- I've just debated that warm lager you referred to. I've just said it. Yeah, but, you're, but, but we're not talking. We're not, okay, we're not, we're not Frank, talking about Joseph said, Parker. You've also Joyce. said warm Ty- lager sorry, or brackets but, the best so who, that you could so do. Who has Tyson Fury ducked? Tell me. But st- Frank, Frank, stop mischaracterizing the debates, right? Because this argument about ducking is a is a is a mischaracterization. One of the one of the people that was accused of accusing Tyson of ducking was me. And the only time that issue was ever raised was when um, Tyson's uh, sorry, when uh, Usyk's manager came on and accused him of it. And it was framed in a question which was if he's ducked, mm-hmm. not he has ducked. And it's been elevated because people have got their knickers in a twist because they're choosing to. And I wonder if it's because people didn't like the criticism in the Western media about the engagement who fight and all of a sudden six months later they start whining about something that was said six months earlier well the Daganu fight I mean you absolutely slaughtered it which you're entitled to it's your opinion you're all slaughtered but what you didn't say afterwards you know what that was you're not answering the question fight. Frank 
You're not answering the question. Don't What's redirect. The question? Ask me the question. The question is, the question. is that nobody had this concerted campaign of criticising Tyson Fury during a six-month period that led up to the Nganu fight. There was a question asked on the back of information given by the alternate camp, which has proven to be discredited, but at the time it wasn't, which is if... Fury is ducking this fight, That's given right. all the noise mm-hmm. that comes That's out of right. Tyson's mouth. Well, and Tyson yeah, is the most specific of all fighters. People are going to question it. And you and others have got cross about it. And Frank, I would like to think that if Frank, I would like to think if Tyson is living listening this lunchtime, if Tyson's listening this lunchtime, Simon has just nailed the truth of this. Henry Henry Kissinger, listen, Henry Kissinger, sit tight a minute. Let me just tell you something. He's no diplomat, Henry Henry's in a better state of health than me. You're saying what you're saying is 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 not true because I remember he was on there was talking about Josh. There was there was a big debate going on about Joshua and you and he was being saying Tyson ducked him and so you know he was ready to go and, and we all knew he weren't because and it was accepted he weren't when when Frank Smith came out and said he didn't even have a trainer. But, but I, even after that that conversation was going on and I rang in while that was going on. It was yourself, Eddie Hearn, and all of you, and you didn't let me on. So you were selective in who you wanted to believe at that time. No, that's not, that's not true, Frank. That's not true, Frank. That's not true. Yes, did you I did ring in. And I said, and I hang on, in? Frank. Yes, you did ring in. And I said, it's not fair. And Eddie didn't want you to come on because he didn't want you to hijack the conversation. And it would have been great radio. And it would turn into a bum fight, Frank. But nobody did what you said. No, nobody did what you just no, said, Frank. No, no, no. That's not true. Frank, you were just living up to your nickname of the ambusher. It's not not hijacking the conversation, it's saying that what you're saying is untrue. I agree, Frank. These are the facts. Eddie Hearn... (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done. Possibly. uh, Frank, I think, to to be honest, looking looking at this now realistically and uh, logically, I think... I think we can get through this and we can all be pals again. I, we, I know, we know you're pals with us and that's fine. Um, I think Simon's right. No, I don't side with Simon just because I have to, but in this it has been a mischaracterization of what was said. Of that, there is no doubt. This was a man, well, your man Tyson Fury was hugging us both in a Wembley dressing room not that long ago and I'm sure we're not far off that again, especially uh, when you get a sign uh, like Spencer t- Brown was willing to come on this lunchtime, but COVID has stopped him coming on he has done everything Tyson that's been asked of him he's been ready to fight everybody who's been available and wants to fight him Good. every time he's never ducked anyone okay. that's what he does well we look and forward soon, to and, you know and, and, making and, and that let clear point. Let, let me make this final point and when the opportunity finally arrived when Usyk had nowhere to go after the skills challenge thing fell apart the fight was made and it's on on the 17th of December that's Tyson Fury doesn't duck anybody well that's good to know and we're fans of Tyson because he's one of the greatest boxers of all time and the man to my right has told him just that so you know I think Tyson needs to remember that and I hope he will so much so Frank next time there's a boxing uh, press conference ahead of Furiosi in February it'd it'd be good if TalkSport is not booted out of it Well, we'll we'll see what happens because if I have anything to do with it and I'm in amongst it next time around, I won't be going. I won't be leaving. I'll be staying in the in the press conference. 
because we deserve you bring, bring your, because we be, deserve to be there. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It is Thursday lunchtime. It's Jim White, Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver. We are live on Talk Sport. It's the 10-year anniversary today of the fight that was billed at the Battle of Britain as Carl Froch went head-to-head with George Groves. To the tentative jab from Froch takes the right hand. He's not throwing the jab with confidence, Froch. He's struggling with the range and... This is turning into a night of disaster for Carl Froch. And the worst could be yet to come. Missed that time. Froch on him straight away, but couldn't sustain the assault. And George Groves dropped his gloves and said, come on. Still, Froch is standing tall. And then lands a right hand of his own. And Groves has wobbled. Groves is in big trouble now. And Froch senses it. And Froch is going for the finish, because Groves' legs have gone. And Groves hanging on here, just holding and spoiling, trying to buy some time, but Frock smells blood here. I think Frock needs to finish it here. It really does. Groves, Groves is in trouble. Thing. He's taken another one and another, and Howard Foster has stopped it. Wow, that is going to be controversial. Groves is disgusted. Groves is furious. And there's going to be some controversy here. Broch had him in trouble, no question about that. But he was so far ahead, George Groves. And that was that. Uh, it was mired in controversy, as you heard in commentary there. The referee, in the eyes of many, ended it too early. But uh, it went Carl Froch's way. So did the second fight. I'm delighted to say that both Carl and George join us live on the show uh, this lunchtime in different locations, it has to be said. Neither in studio with us this lunchtime. George, when you hear that again, was it stopped too early? You'd still stand by that, would you? <laughs> Absolutely, Jim. Uh, <laughs> me and Carl come together and we, we talk about it quite often. And uh, yeah, it was stopped too early. I can't concede... On that point, uh, I mean, the commentary doesn't do me any favours at that point, but if you actually watch the fight, which everyone in the arena is, uh, it's bizarre why uh, the fight stopped at that point. But, I mean, George, I, w- I was there actually that night, and, it, and and that was the initial fault when we were there, that the fight was stopped too early. But I mean, looking back on it now, do you feel that like the, the tide was turning ma- massively, you was actually tiring at that point, and looking at it in hindsight, that was maybe the best thing that the referee stopped it at that point, because obviously it created such an interest in that rematch. Well, Spencer, you've had a serious injury before in the past, so maybe you might be a little bit swayed by that decision. But if you watch the fight, I'm winning the ninth mm-hmm. round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm winning the ninth round. So, and sure, I mean, our tactics in that fight was to not really battle with with Frotch, who we know is very good at you know the inside work. So when we get when we get close, hold on. Um, we're both tired. I mean, we, did, did you feel that actually, George, there that, that you was tiring though? Like you see, a, you saw a big change in like, like in that round. It was like you see a big change. Nah, we we'll watch it back. Watch it back. I'll watch it with you, uh, Spencer. Yeah. We'll see for the. I'm winning that round. 
Cole, Cole has a bit of success in that in that in that stage, and it it is the only time he sort of has success. Sure, I'm a little bit, you know, off balance, knocked off balance as well, but. Um, I can't concede, mate. I can't let it go. Yeah, yeah. But you just to hear the Cobra. I'm not. Because the Cobra seemed to be getting momentum at that point. That's what I was saying. Well, Carl, come on. Did you get away with one that night? (laughs) Listen, I've I've been on tour for a couple of years with Groves, probably three years now, up and down the country, talking about that first fight and then the rematch at Wembley Stadium. And one thing I've I've learned to not do anymore, and that's try to convince George that that fight was stopped correctly by <laughs> Howard Foster. You're wasting yeah. your time. You are flogging a dead horse. Uh, Listen, it was that far ahead on all the scorecards. It dropped me in the first round. He beat me up like the worst I've ever been beaten. I've just recorded my um, YouTube channel, Frotch on Fighting with my wife, and we've just talked about that first fight. And I've got it up there with probably the worst beatings I've ever had. And when you look at how many fights I've had, world title fights back-to-back, for me to concede that George Groves gave me the biggest beating of my life, that's, that's a big statement. Um, mm. But I did turn it around. I was getting to him, and the <laughs> fight was stopped. The fight was stopped when Howard Foster saw something in George's eyes and his legs. And even the commentary there, like I said, don't watch the fight back. Just listen to the commentary because it tells, <laughs> it tells a big story. I, I, I mean, Cole, listen, that first round, mate, when he hit you with that right hand and you went down, I mean, how you got up, only you will know this, but like, I mean, do you remember that at all? I mean, do you remember going down, obviously getting up? I mean, you were still gone when you come out for the second round. I was, yeah. Listen, mate, I was heavily concussed. So if I'm honest, no, I can't remember it. I can just remember it because I watched it back, obviously, um, on more than one occasion, because it was such a great fight. We, we both boxed. I mean, that was George Groves' first world title fight. He's 10 years younger than me. And he hit me with a right hand, clean on the chin, like he said he was going to, and he dropped me. So, and then the next five or six rounds that that, that went on after that was was mm. just a war. It was it was punch for point. I was a split second, a split second behind George on speed, and everything I tried on him, it was it was too quick for me. It was it was countering and getting off first and landing big shots. So. You know, I can't, I can't say anything other than that's a fight that's worth watching back because it was such a great fight. But by the, was it the ninth round, eighth or ninth round, I forced a stoppage. We were both getting tired. I caught him with a right hand. His legs were going a bit. You saw that Jim Watt picked it up on commentary. Nick Hallin said, this is going to have to be stopped. But then when it was stopped, he did say, wow, this is going to be controversial. So it was split, but it was split. It was split 70-30 in George's favour that the fight perhaps shouldn't have been stopped. But like yeah. you said earlier, Spencer, yeah. that, created, that created Wembley mm. and that created the rematch. And, and that, that fight at Wembley Stadium kind of defines my career, which is a shame because I've been involved in so many good fights. But good for, luckily for Groves, it doesn't define him because he got chinned at Wembley in front of all them people, following on from that fight there that was maybe stopped a bit early in lots of people's eyes. But he went on to become a world champion in his own right. And I think... That's why he's able to look back and let go because he went on and achieved great things. And um, that's why I'm able to look at it and say, you know what, I've got respect for George because he went and fought Badu Jacques after that and got beat, lost a split decision. And then he still went on, still kept believing, still kept trying. After all the knocks he'd taken, Mm. he still went and became WBA world champion against a guy called Chudanov. And um, yeah, the respect is profound between both of us. And um, I've got no bad words to say about George. And it sounds mad because... I really, really didn't like him, and I'm being polite when I say that. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you that, Carl, because you know that conversation that you and I had on the podcast that I do, and you talked very explicitly about the level of irritation and dislike that you had for George, 
and 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 how it manifested itself. I mean, you spoke to me in graphic terms about how you squeezed your gloves together, how you put your knuckles through your gloves, and how you wanted to put them through the front of George's face. Why did George bring that reaction? I mean, I thought some of the things he said were quite funny at the time, but why did he bring this reaction out in you that was so extreme? Because he was a horrible, obnoxious little... <laughs> I'm not going to swear because I know we're live, but it was horrible. He gave me no respect. He was playing down my performance. He was saying that I'm slow. I've got no... My feet are slow. I've got no defence. He said everything he could to get under my skin. And when we came together and we did, we did a, a, a Gloves Are Off or a ringside show on Sky, he said I was going to start crying. He had me down and mm. crying. I'm like, what is he doing? But he was doing a great job because my blood was boiling. And um, yeah, and that's that's like, what fighters do, right? They get inside, you know, get inside the head and get under the skin of other fighters. And, and know what I'm them. saying, yeah, though, Cole? Listen, nobody that... does it like George Groves does it. Absolutely, nobody does it like him. <laughs> he was the best. George, it appears you were a master at that. You got you got through to Cal. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And it's basically it's part of it's part of the the business at times you know you want to get under your opponent's skin if it can give you a bit of an advantage come fight now you do that uh, but you know ultimately I, I felt like what Cole really wanted was a, a bit of respect from me or what he you know he deemed a respect and you know I had it for him I just wasn't prepared to show him or, or you know to give him that satisfaction um I knew it was alienating me you know with with the with the boxing you know fans and stuff like that but he, he bit and I thought this is, this is going to work for me this is going to work he's not going to be sort of switched on like he should be like he usually is come fight night and I've got to take advantage of it but um, the build up's always fun and especially when you've got two characters <laughs> who back themselves and want to want to engage so um, you know I, I love Cole for that because he did bite he made it easy at times but he did also make it <laughs> A fantastic fight for people to watch. He's still going, Carl. You're laughing in the background. Was there ever any talk of a third fight between the two of you? Well, I was ready to retire after that. After that one, I mean, after the first one, I was ready to retire because I was, I was, I could feel myself like I couldn't recover as quick between sessions. I could feel myself getting a bit old. I got, I got a young family at home. Um, I was financially in a great position, and the desire was starting to go. But after that first fight with George, there was no way I could retire. I couldn't retire on the back of that. I mean, it felt very much like, much like a loss. It felt like mm. from the way the press received it, the Boxing News report, the commentators on the night, the crowd. I mean, I got absolutely abused in the Manchester arena. I got dropped in round one, beat up for six, seven rounds, and then I got out of the ring. I got abused and spat in my face and coins being thrown at me. Then I got back to my changing rooms and the post-fight press conference was, you got beat, you was lucky, and... It felt like a loss. It was horrible. Mm. I know George Groves was really upset and he, he must have been fuming and he felt like he got a world title nicked off him. But none of us came out of that fight feeling good about ourselves because he, he felt like he'd been robbed. I felt like I'd been robbed of a, of a conclusive finish and it felt to me like a loss. And that's why the rematch had to happen. But what's, what's good about it is George Groves became world champion in his own right. Um, we got the Wembley fight and we've, we've both become friends and I, I never thought that was possible. Like, I've got so much respect and admiration. I mean, look at his stupid little smile up there on the side. <laughs> that smile, I, I used to want to punch his teeth down the back of his throat. Now uh, I want to, Jim, now I want to Jim, go grab one of his cheeks and give him a squeeze. <laughs> Jim, wait, you, know, you say, and here we go, he's, he's, he's lavishing me with praise and, and which is lovely, but there could never have been a third fight because to Cole Frotch's credit, 
he finished a career better than anyone ever has or probably ever will. He shut up the loud mouth, obnoxious, sort of up-and-coming Brit fire who was after his belts and after his legacy. And he did it with an emphatic one-punch knockout in a post-war attendance record at Wembley Stadium. I can't remember how many. But to his credit, he'd done the job. It was a, you know, a fantastic finish. And, you know, it did take me a few years. It took me to win my world title before I could really acknowledge and appreciate Cole for doing that. But I always make sure everyone in the room gives him a round of applause for that because um, it's magnificent. Yeah, it's quite it, right. Brilliant. Br- it's yeah. awesome. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review. Wherever you get your podcast from, we'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show.